You're listening to Lost and Sound, a podcast exploring music, identity, and the future. My name's Paul Hanford. I've always believed that one of the best ways we come together is through music. And through this series, I'm looking at how music can and is bringing us together now and in the future. From my base in Berlin, we'll be meeting artists from a range of disciplines from all across the world who are drawing on music right now, some already exploring new ways of doing this. In this episode, we take the Atlantic Express to New York to chat with Nazca Lines. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're good. I hope you're really good. I am in Berlin, in Kreuzberg, along the canal, as I have been the last few episodes. I think because of lockdown, I've sort of whittled down my movements a bit. There's so many parts of this beautiful city that I still adore that I'm just not really seeing at the moment and um, it's mid-December getting close to that sort of windy downy part of the year they also announced uh, the government here are putting in further restrictions as of Wednesday which is about the time this podcast comes out and um, so it is a very sort of hibernatory type of the year I hope you're okay. I hope you're all safe. Today on the show, I met up with Michael Lovett, a.k.a. Nazcar Lines. He also plays with Christine and the Queens and Metronomy. We had a really good chat. I first heard of Nazcar Lines back in the middle part of the last decade when I had my Hoxton radio show and I'd played them on that. And I kind of totally fell for this kind of slinky, electronic, hook-laden, synthy pop music that they were doing. A friend of mine has this way of looking at music that he told me that he says so much music either falls between or somewhere on a spectrum between sounding like wood or sounding like neon and I'm always looking for exceptions to that, but I would definitely say that NASCAR lines have quite a neon kind of feel about them. He recently put out the third album, Pure Luxury. We talk a lot about this. We talk a lot about the influences of this, of kind of ironic art school Roxy Music-esque approaches to sound. We also talk about, like, where we live. He's an Englishman and he moved to New York, like the Prince, <laughs> like the Prince Sting song. And I think we really connected on being in different parts of the world from where we're from. I had a really, really nice time chatting with Michael and this is how it sounds. 
how long have you been in Berlin for? I've been here for three years now. I kind of came out here about three years ago. I've been visiting Berlin for years and kind of came out here for about a month, about three years ago with just the idea of just starting a new project. And over the course of a month, I kind of friends persuaded me and just I persuaded myself to move here really and I've got to say there's probably a bit of a Brexit sort of element to it as well of Um, course yeah because it would have been just after like 2017 or something that's right yeah and and you're in you how long have you been in New York for so I am in New York yes I'm I've been coming here on and off for several years because my now wife has lived here Mm. I must I must say that I do like it very much yeah, yeah. What is it? I mean, obviously, apart from your wife, what what is it about New York that appeals to you? Well, to be honest, I I was uh, when I first visited, I was slightly. Uh, I think there's something about everyone telling you that you should like something that makes me particularly be quite obtuse and say I don't want to like it just because yeah. you tell me I like it. You know, it's like everyone thinks it's so great. What's so great about it? Um, so it took me a few a few, a few years of visiting to. To actually be like, oh yeah, it's pretty pretty great. Um, and now to put my to put my finger on it. I mean, I've I've not also to be honest, I've not met a huge community of mu- musicians here, and I think that's what. Although I have met some, and that's maybe what was slightly um, deterrent for me at first because I spent time in LA, and that has like there's lots of music happening, there's lots of writing happening. Whether or not anything actually happens with it, mm. there's lots of it happening. <laughs> Um, and then New York, I, it's just slightly different, but, um, but I, I do have, like, I, I have a good friend, uh, Andrew now who I met through, through writing music together, which is actually why I'm in this, this studio space that I'm currently in. Um, and I'm hoping that, 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 yeah, through, through that, I'll end up kind of meeting more people. Although now it's obviously hard to do that. So it, it might have to wait until after COVID, but, um, I love, uh, I love, I mean, right now I'm really enamored with with uh, Home Depot. It's amazing. You can pretty much get anything you like there. It's like B and Q. Oh, what was uh, it called? But, Sorry. Uh, home Home Depot. Home Depot. Oh, okay, cool. I, I didn't. I, I I went to New York for two weeks about five years ago. So I think when you're there for two weeks, like things like Home Depot aren't really on your list until. You start thinking about, you know, like, and it's not really good for me in an Airbnb to start thinking about doing some house shelves and stuff. Someone else's no. Airbnb. <laughs> no, exactly. But uh, yeah, one, once you're here for a slightly more extended time, there's there's some, some delights. I mean, I was t- talking to my wife about the 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 delis actually, um, which is, uh, you know, there's these delis on the corner. Of course, as a British person, I'm, I think of a delicatessen. I think of, of like, well, I don't want to buy any cold cuts of meat or like pickles. Uh, but what they actually are is places where you can go and just buy sandwiches uh, and they make them for you. And then I, the first time I went into one, my wife was like, you know, you can get them to make you a sandwich. And I was like, I couldn't possibly ask them to do that. <laughs> like, why, why would I, why would I ask them? Like, they, they don't want to do that for me. That's fine. They're busy. They're doing other stuff. Yeah. But then you realize that actually that's the thing. You go and you say, I want this sandwich, but you can also just say, yeah, give me a, you know, like a sweet corn and uh, like pastrami or whatever. And then you just, you can make your own. So it's very like land of the free. Everything's customizable. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. and and also it's just like i mean i love i love this the tv series bored to death when it was out i, don't know if yeah, I love that it. as well that actually kind of was part of the reason well i mean obviously you kind of grow up with watching films in new york always kind of aware of 
this kind of film landscape of, of New York, don't you? But like, I think Bored to Death was one of the things that actually got me the plane ticket to go and visit when I did. Oh, right, cool. Was it 2010? Is it like, or is it earlier than that? I can't it, actually remember. It feels round about that, doesn't it? It was, it was very much kind of like, kind of Tumblr era. Interesting, yes. Tumblr era. So people would actually have, I mean, I remember looking at Frank Ocean's Tumblr, probably in, probably around that time, actually. Yeah, yeah. When he was like in uh, Odd Future and, and then he did a track on the, he sung on the title of the creator or he sung, sung a track on Goblin. I was like, oh, this guy's good. This yeah. guy seems pretty good. And then checked, <laughs> checked out his blog spot and he was like posting pictures of him boarding planes to go and record somewhere. And it was, it was nice. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was halcyon days. So, so it was, it was partly like this kind of idea of bored to death that was part of your kind of, sort of pre-inspiration for New York living. <laughs> I really never, I honestly never thought I'd really go to New York in any capacity. It was, I, I met my wife at, at South by Southwest actually in mm. Austin um, and turned out she lived in New York. So I was, well, I mean, she wasn't my wife at that point, obviously we weren't. Yeah. Not an arranged marriage. It wasn't an arranged marriage. We didn't meet for the first time uh, on the, on the, <laughs> yeah. uh, on the Brits abroad stage or whatever it's called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, we, well, yeah, we, 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 we met and then I was, I was like, wow, this, you know, seems pretty good. I should probably come and visit you with my, I think I probably had about 600 pounds in my bank account. So I spent five, six of that on a plane ticket and then went to go and see her. And, um, one thing led to another and then, you know, we got married in Austin actually. So it's all, it's all part of a beautiful tapestry. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, the, um, I, but honestly, I found it quite inspiring because I was here quite a bit whilst I was writing my new record, um, sort of going back and forth and stuff. And um, I found like it helped me get out of myself a bit somehow. And and I think um, as like not being around familiar things or not being in London or being able to draw on familiar equipment or or just friends or, or, you know, even collaborators really. I mean, I, I made the last thing I made was basically by myself. Mm. Um, and I w- wasn't really able to work directly with my collaborator for the past two records I did also cause he was in Japan. So that was another contributing factor, but, um, it was, yeah, it was quite, it was quite freeing. And I think there's, um, there's a certain kind of energy to it, I think, which is, which is not a, it's, it's a cliche, but it's, but it's true. With like the, the the place that you're in, you kind of absorb in certain frequencies, whether they're conscious or ge- geog- geographical or cultural, that inform the sound of the music. Do you mean? I think so. Inevitably, I mean, I was always really taken with this story. I don't know if it's uh, apocryphal or, or what, but uh, I was told that when Phoenix were writing Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, they just spent loads of their recording budget on going to different places to re- record demos in those cities, but they didn't actually get that much done. They just kind of went to the cities and like had a nice time, but maybe did some demos. And I'm now I'm not sure if that's true or not, but it sounds like the kind of thing they could have done. Yeah. Um, and I really love that story. And, and I mean, this was, well, I've, I've made music whilst I was touring as well. I mean, and I've finished, I finished my second album whilst I was touring with Metronomy, um, and ended up recording tons of vocals in hotel rooms. And so that has its own ambience, but that was less of a writing, more of a finishing. And this is, this was sort of a little bit of both. 
Um, and like I used a, a friend's studio just, it, I was trying to find a place that I could work for a, a few weeks and coincidentally a friend had a studio in Manhattan, which I never thought I'd end up there in a studio. Yeah. But so I, I was, yeah, I was in this like studio in this weird office block, like around the corner from the, the Empire State Building, which is, I mean, you, you'd have to be made of stone for that not to feel somehow inspirational or at least like exciting. And I, and I think it, yeah, it led to, I don't know, there was a, some of the writing also was, I was visiting here, like around the time you probably moved to Berlin, like in 2017, when Trump was inaugurated and there was all this feeling of like, it felt really like I've never felt, it felt like um, this kind of political energy, I guess, which everybody felt, but it, there was like a real left wing kind of, everyone was very riled up and, and sort of angry. And there was a feeling of like injustice, maybe what the right wing are feeling right now. <laughs> but um yeah, so that kind of fed its way into the music as well. It's kind of funny, isn't it? Because like the album, um, I mean, I, I feel like um, the, the, I love the title of it as well, Pure Luxury, and the fact that it feels like, I mean, it definitely feels like there's this like different layers of irony going on there with, on one hand, you've got this really kind of slinky, squelchy, bassy, funky sound on the other hand, like there, it seems to be like the lyrics and the tone of it feel like there's a lot of kind of questioning going on, um, which may be kind of what you're saying about the time of arriving in New York or something like that and the, the whole kind of Trump administration doing their thing as well. What was the tone like for you in recording that? Were you kind of aware that, of this, these sort of ironies at the time or is, is songwriting just more of an unconscious, you just go for it kind of thing? No, it's pretty conscious. I mean, I've uh, the previous the previous records I've done, I've always approached it as more of an art project. Um, I, I guess because I, I was literally making some of this some of this stuff as in when I was in art school because I, I that's what I I mean I I also draw and stuff I haven't done for a while, but I was spent many years doing painting and then graphic design and. Um, uh my first album lots of the songs came out of things which were initially like a series of prints i was making or like different texts and stories and, and it sort of ended up being this i basically somebody should have told me that that you can do filmmaking or something because by the time i finished i finished it i made a music video for myself which was like a very sci-fi thing this music video new atmosphere and i was like oh this is great because i can tie everything together and somebody i wish somebody had told me this four years ago so i could have been doing this at the beginning rather than the end <laughs> But, um, and since then I've done a bit, bit of video directing for myself. Um, but yeah, so I, in the second album, I went in really hard sci-fi, like tried to plan out this whole story. And so with this one, I, I did go in trying to think like, well, what is my, what is on my mind at the moment? But I knew I, it couldn't be any of that kind of stuff. Like it needed to, I felt like it had to be based in reality because there was just so much happening that you couldn't really, escapism seemed really trite. I think yeah. it still does really. Um, and in the terms of, if you're talking about sci-fi, like the world was becoming horribly dystopian, which is another, another subject, you know, but um, uh, I, so I did try and set myself some groundwork of like wanting to talk about like environmental issues actually um, initially and climate change, which sort of manifested on this song Larson. But then I kind of just, I've started trying to have fun with the music I was listening to and I was finding a bunch of 12 inch vinyls in, in actually in a record when I was in, in New York, picked up a few things and was getting into the sort of something which I've listened to before, but the kind of uh, dub edit kind of extended mix stuff and mm. listening to, to 80 stuff. And then also listening to 
um, a bunch of 90s records that I, I really loved as a teenager. Like, I mean, I've got a, I've got a cop to it, like Cornelius. Um, oh, and, I love uh, that album. Yeah. I, I've got uh, to I confess, mean, like, were you... It's just a hunch, but like one thing I really felt in a really good way was um, there's a little bit of an echo of Beck's Midnight Vultures going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is, and I've, <laughs> I'm yeah, it's an echo. I mean, I really love that that album, and I kind of never thought it's I never thought I would try and make something like that. And it's interesting loving something as a as a teenager, like when I didn't know anything about music production or not very much about music history either, really. And loving that album, like loving Sex Laws and just loving the tone of the whole thing. Mm. And then coming back to it and being like, oh, wow, I love that record. And this totally feels right for me to listen to again and really listening to the production and and going deeper into the the tone of the whole thing as well. And I, I love, I just, I just really love it. Yeah, I know <laughs> what you mean. And there's but something yeah. quite like, uh, with both your album and Midnight Vultures, there's something kind of quite sort of satirical as well going on as well, I feel. I think it's it's satiric. Yeah, I, I'm well, yeah, it's definitely satirical. I think the thing I love about his record is is how it's satirical, but it kind of comes from a deep love for that kind of music as well. Like his sort of, like, uh, uh, like what is it? Like, like, on, um, like on Hollywood Freaks or something where mm. he's like, mixing business with pleasure and it's all like very he's doing his this these different voices and even like i never thought that deborah i was so confused with deborah because i couldn't believe that was him singing it because he does this crazy falsetto which i just don't associate with beck at all um yeah so that 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 was definitely more of an influence than i should probably admit but hey unless it's a massive hit he's probably not going to see me so it's fine <laughs> well i mean he was a, a real you know he's always been a very ki- a, a real kind of champion of using influence as well and transforming them as well hasn't he like i like you know like like you say deborah like when i first heard that it kind of i, I thought i was listening to like diamonds and pearls era prince or something yeah i mean yeah and and I didn't realize for a long time that song is actually a strange interpolation of um, it's a track off Young Americans, the David Bowie track. I can't remember the name of the track. Um, it might be like the second. I have to find the 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 the, the, the name of it. Um, but it has that basically the. It's got like the kind the kind of rising thing. Like it is. It's almost, it's almost as though he interpolated that as a sample and then he wrote the song around it. It's, it's right. Yeah, that's. I'll have to um, go and go and have a. There's a good excuse to listen to Young Americans again as well. Really. Um, yeah. Yeah, but like, kind of going back to like the early days. Um, you're you're from Devon, are you? Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm a. I'm a West Country chap as well. Um, are you? Whereabouts? From Dorset, but my dad lives uh, near Totnes now in Devon, and. Ah uh, right. Yeah. So I know um, that's the place. Yeah. And so what, what was the kind of like, was there like a music scene around you when you were growing up? Um, there was music at school. I went to a secondary school called Kevix, uh, King Edward VI Community College, which uh, also my brother Gabriel went to for sixth form and uh, along with Joe Mount from Metronomy mm. and also James Hoare uh, from, who was in Veronica Falls and, has a band proper ornaments and does a bunch of he's a kind of indie guitar hero mm. possibly um so there were a bunch of people who were, who were who were doing stuff i myself was a bit younger and i was i did have a band 
there was like school bands and there was a very encouraging uh, music department at the school. And there was a good teacher at the time called uh, Jill Bird, who was very sort of quite hardline, but quite encouraging. So a lot of people did start doing music and there was a place where you could like, record. Like I was multi-track recording drums and stuff to make songs with, like really badly, but you know, it, it, there was a, <laughs> there was an opportunity to do that. So a lot of us were recording stuff and making music and, and uh, you know, she 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 had taught Muse in Tinmouth, so that was a big thing. Oh yes, yes, we were they all were really another Devon bands, right? Yeah, they were a couple of years ahead. I think my brother's band played a Battle of the Bands with Muse once, and Matt Bellamy said that they that they had nice harmonies, but I was told that he was wearing like red leather trousers or something. I think that <laughs> might have been the thing. Think they might have got signed like shortly after that. So there was stuff happening in Totnes, but it, it really took me. Um, I went to Art Foundation in Falmouth um, in Cornwall and that was a time when I met some people who remain close friends of mine and who were more like my people, I guess. And we formed a band um, called Taking Tiger Mountain, named after the Brian Eno album. Great album, definitely. definitely. I love those pop, early pop, right? well, not pop, but more song-structured Brian Eno albums like that and Here Come Me Dawn too, Jets. yeah. Another Green World is great too. Yeah. Yeah, I was yeah, I was into all that stuff and rock, uh, Roxy music. I've always been really into Roxy music just because I love that they are the ultimate art school uh, band for me. Did you have like a kind of a childhood epiphany with music that kind of took you from being someone that is a non-music person, like that could have done anything, to a music person? Uh, I was really lucky because I had this older brother Gabriel who, who incidentally we overlap in many ways in our musical lives because we've both played in metronomy and we both played and recorded with Christine and the Queens. And um, I probably have traded on his toes a bit too, too much over the years, but here I am because I, I basically got probably got started in music because of him really. Cause he was, he was playing guitar and, and piano and, and like had a bunch of great records and tapes and stuff. And so I sort of absorbed it through, through, through him. I think initially um, I was encouraged by my family to, learn an instrument so I started guitar um I started piano but I was definitely pretty lazy I think there was some I met uh I met my friend Luke um at school when I was I think I remember being about 13 I think he uh he dropped a plectrum on the floor of the school playground and I bent down to pick up the plectrum and then we kissed no we didn't kiss <laughs> but then um I was like oh you play guitar and then we ended up playing in bands together um and he was much better than i was he could play bar chords he could he had like a, a effects pedal and he could play lead solos and that was i was like damn i've got a i've I, that made me quite competitive so i upped my game and that made me actually get good at playing the guitar so and then i was like okay i better take this seriously um and i was always like i was always quite bad at um sight reading music and my favorite part of the lessons was when i got to play stuff i'd made up so i was always um but I, I never really, I don't think I ever really took it seriously as something which I could actually do until I met the people I met in London who were that bit, who were that bit older and who were, uh, who had released records themselves and who were like, oh, you know, you can do this. You can put this album out. You can make these songs and then this label can release it. You know, that, that was a huge thing to realize um, as I was kind of a, uh, a romantic art student who didn't, honestly really know how they were going to apply it in the real world what was it about the these people in london that inspired you to to, to sort of say that you could do this um i mean 
it was seeing, you know, I mean, again, by proxy, like I'd seen my brother and, and Joe, who I was, you know, friends friends with a little bit from school, even though that they were older, um, start Metronomy um, off the back of various bands that they'd been in before. And, and that was successful. Um, and then I was vicariously part of that by playing my brother's band. Um, and uh, then you know meeting so charlie was was a is a very idiosyncratic guy he's a very he's a very intelligent guy he's currently in he's learned japanese and just is living in japan uh when he's working for a video video game company now doing music stuff um but he uh he sort of challenged me i think in a way that i hadn't been challenged before where i had quite a high opinion of myself um and he took me down a few notches (laughs) um whilst also helping me to make to make some music but he was very you know he, he pushed me to to think about things in a, in a different way or like reapproach thing reapproach the way i made made music so off often just through saying stuff was crap or, or, or like maybe not crap but you know that it could be that this song was maybe good but it but this should be got rid of like editing stuff down and and that led me to the first time I was really trying to write vocals in a completely different way um, than I had, had ever been doing, which was um, basically listening to a lot of Aaliyah acapellas and, and the way those vocals are arranged. Like when you hear the acapellas, it's just all these layers, all these harmonies that they're, they're incredible, you know, and that, that led me to think, Oh, maybe I could try and do something with my very mediocre voice. And I didn't even really know I could sing falsetto. I hadn't ever really done high singing and stuff. So I was just, test experimenting really um and that led to 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 a lot of excitement which i think is is the thing that you know you're on you're on the right track with doing something creative is that you just feel really excited in this kind of quite you get i don't know if you've you've experienced this um as a i mean a musician as well but you know if something's going well and you get this kind of burst of excitement and you're discovering it you're you're kind of carried along with it it's like a wave isn't it you 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 know, like I think when things aren't working or like you're trying to figure your way through, I feel like um, there's a there's a process that I can enjoy, but it's 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 like climbing a mountain at the same time. And that might be that might be fun, but it's it's hard work. And then when things click into place, it's like you've kind of gathered up wind with you and you kind of like that sort of like instincts kind of take over a little bit as well. Like you start going, oh, yeah, I, I know what to do with that. You know, now I, I think that fits in there. And um, there's more There's more of a sort of energy to the process, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, it's like you're on the cliff, but then then a wind just comes and, like, lifts you over the, the, the cliff and you're flying. Totally. It is very, very and sort of hopefully. like a Studio Ghibli <laughs> kind of style <laughs> description thing, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, but it, it's, it's great. And it's, it's quite intoxicating. You know, it's, it's like a drug in a way. Um, it kind of keeps you coming back for more if you can get it. Sometimes it's hard to, to find that. And you, and often, you know, you, you've got to, to show up. I mean, I was reading various quotes recently about, you know, having to just show up um, for the inspiration to arrive. You know, you can't just wait, wait around for it to hit you whilst you're lying on a sofa. You know, you've got to be doing trying to do the thing that you want to do and it might be boring or it might be frustrating and then eventually you might get to something um, that, that sort of that writes itself in a way because it, it does sometimes happen that way. I was I was speaking to um, a musician from a, a band called Braids um, 
Raphael, who was talking about writing one of their big songs, which is called uh, Miniskirt, and she just described a time when they went right. They were writing with her bandmates in these in these cabins they rented for a while, and and it was just a nice environment. And and she ended up writing that song very 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 quickly, which I think is often how how it goes. Yeah, and I I really believe as well what you're saying about like uh, that you have to put the graft in and you have to turn up, and maybe. It's so amazing how when you're floating with an idea, when you're in the, in the process of, of everything really flowing, everything's so intuitive. And then when you're not, it's like it's hard to even remember where the intuition comes from. You know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It could have been like what yesterday that the intuition was there. And then suddenly it's like, hang on a minute. Where is in the, in the real in like sort of a practical world? Like if you were like an engineer of some kind it would be quite scary to be able to forget how to be an engineer so quickly <laughs> like, like yeah I, i'm sure I, I fixed that that engine yesterday that jet engine but i really can't remember how i did it because yeah, it just kind of happened <laughs> yeah i know well that, that's sort of what's i guess a bit stressful there's the, the sort of the downside of trying to make your living through creativity is that is that yeah if, if it's not really working it can be quite depressing and and you can put a lot of it on yourself it, it you know ends up being a very personal thing as well because you're like oh i can't do this way no and it's hard to justify it to other people because you might be spending days where where not much of use really happens but then you might have a great afternoon where you do something which which then in two years results in you getting some kind of financial support i don't know you know it's it's also long-winded and and um un- unpredictable but i guess that's what that's the um, the flip side of, of being able to try and do something which you love for a living. Yeah. And do you find like, because, you know, you're obviously very, very aware of all of these processes. Is that something you kind of incorporate into your time now that the, the, the sort of tap time of just turning up? I'm trying to. I've been unable to for a few months just because of various life moving transitional things. Um but um, now I'm trying to get back into that flow. Um, I've been, I occasionally do a, a thing with a few music, musicians who are, some are based here, some are based in England, uh, which is called a song challenge. And you basically individually, it's something which you do by yourself. So you individually write as many songs as you can in the space of a day. And then you get together at the end of it and you all listen through to them one at a time. Um, and it's, there's not really any crit- criticism involved. It's mainly just a kind of validation <laughs> process, yeah. but it's, it's a great impetus to actually do some stuff and to not have to think about it too much in, in the space of the day. Because when I've tried to do the same thing without knowing that I have to play it to people at the end of the day, it suddenly slows down a bit. Um, I think it's possible. I'm going to try and trick myself into it, but, um, there's something about having to know that you've got to show this to people. Um, that means, you know, you might, I mean, the most I've done is maybe four things. Some people have done eight, but there's a, there's a point at which it does become, uh, it does maybe they're not that much use to you because you might do something completely useless, but, 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 but actually, sorry, I'm just, my train of thought is, um, I did do a few things, a few things which have, become parts of music which i might use on future records um still and at least a couple which made their way onto my album um there's a there's a song called primp and shine 
which um, is very long, was originally two two parts, but the, and the second part of it has this sort of evolving sampley kind of thing which happens and um a big part of that came from um a thing which i made on one of these song song challenge days it, it, and i remember being in a state of being like i have no idea what i'm like i can't think of any ideas i just have to start doing something and came up with this sort of yeah this piece of music um which i just left and then i ended up being like oh, i could probably kind of incorporate that into this song if i just you know and and so that that was really really useful so i think uh, and the other day I, I i did work on a piece of music for a few hours and then pivoted and was like oh, let me just do something new for an hour and i think i preferred that new thing a lot more than the thing which i'd spent the time on so it's easy to come in thinking that you have no idea what you're doing and you might you know and then just suddenly generate something without thinking too much that's that's good or promising or you could use in the future so yeah, and like, because I, I think I've got a friend that does a similar process. I'm not sure if it's the same, exactly the same process, but um, and he was kind of telling me he, he deliberately, you're not supposed to overthink the ideas. You're supposed to just kind of do them very quickly without kind of second guessing yourself. Is that the same when you, you're doing these days? Yeah, because, I mean, ideally, you don't have enough time to second guess yourself because you're thinking about, moving on to the next thing or you know maybe you only can allot an hour or two to do the one idea um and if it's not really going anywhere maybe you just stop stop the idea and just start something different like change the tempo change the drum beat for for, for me it's always about um giving myself a narrow set of tools to make something so currently i have access i'm very lucky and i have access to um an 808 drum machine and uh and a couple of synths and a an electric piano um, and that's fantastic. Like that's all you need. It's all you need, um, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> that is pretty much all you need. And I, I, I want to make a record like with just that stuff because the eight hundred eight is fantastic, obviously, and it sounds. I mean, people obviously you have an infinity of sample packs, but the the real thing does just sound great. It's going into techie talk now. I've been recently using Ableton to try and make some music with it, which is not what I normally use. Um, and it's been interesting because it does have a great intuitive sort of malleability to it but um there's something about going back to just using a, a, a small set of equipment which which has a real real huge number of limitations that is really it just bypasses all these decisions that that you have to make and means you can kind of get on with making stuff really yeah i think i think like i've, I've always been quite interested in this idea of streamlining your life down to having certain decisions taken away from you, you know, I always remember like the artists Gilbert and George would, you know, like would always wear the same suits and yes. have, they'd go to like the same cafe in Dalston every day and have the same meal. And although I, I couldn't sacrifice the, the variety of wonderful things to eat, like it was kind of quite interesting to know that that's something that works for them and sort of frees up that part of the mind. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's like uh Eric Sarty apparently used to just wear the same suit. I mean, he had 12 of the same suits or something. Yeah. Um I mean, his apartment was also allegedly covered in dust and he was probably a weird guy to live with, but but uh, you know, but I mean, it's the utilitarian thing. Yeah. I mean, personally even if it's just you get the same lunch every day or something. I mean, I I think that's that's uh, great. I mean, with my with the last album, I did a similar kind of thing where I created a setup for myself that was not simple, but it was also not, 
hugely it didn't allow for a huge amount of um, deviation from things I had so I, I for a while I was writing well actually there, there were a few different stages for a while I was just writing demos with a piano um, a bass guitar and I think that was it really piano and bass guitar perhaps a guitar mm. and my voice and I had an eight track recorder and then uh, another point I was writing with an MPC like a sequencer that was connected yeah. to a couple of different pieces of equipment, but they, those were the pieces of equipment which I used. Um, and every time there was always a limitation. There's nothing like sitting down to a blank canvas that's that's just terrifying. So Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> and I think we've kind of touched on this in not directly, but in, in certain ways over over the interview and stuff in terms of like creativity and coping and different things and the times and stuff. But um, how have you, have you found like any kind of ways that with all of the kind of crazy shit that's gone on this year and have you found like ways that have really helped you to kind of stay on top of things either personally or creatively or probably both? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, really a good question. I mean, I'm, I've, thought numerous times this year that I'm very lucky that I have had to create a life for myself where where I'm quite self-contained um and that I, and that I always, I'm always on my own schedule anyway I've, I've never really I mean aside from the fact that touring has stopped which is which was a blow mm. but um the flip side of that is that pretty much as the pandemic was was emerging in March I was getting ready to release this record I put out this year so I think there was definitely a coping mechanism in which I immersed myself in that. Um, sometimes to the detriment of my relationship, even yeah. <laughs> because there was, you know, it was a pro possibly too much, you know, I was sort of getting, and it was became at times it became stressful uh, when it didn't need, we didn't need any additional stress. So that was a downside, but a plus side was that it gave me structure and I'm really thankful for that. Um, and I, you know, whether or not, it was sort of the only thing I could do releasing the the album because I couldn't really have waited. There would have been no point in waiting really um, from what I could perceive. So I, I, I did it and uh, the structure was good, um, especially like in terms of connecting with people through Instagram live streams and just talking to people on the internet in a way that I hadn't done before, like people who might know my music or whatever. Um, and yeah, the only t the, the point at which I realized what maybe it had been like for some people was in July when I, I I got back to England. I'd been in the US until July actually because we were we were here when everything happened and we just decided to stay put. Uh and suddenly I, I kinda didn't have any, anything to do and I was like, wow, this is really bizarre. <laughs> like I've had a couple of weeks. And then I found stuff to do again. But uh yeah, it hasn't been a hugely create creative time though, I, I must admit. Um it's been mainly to do with the, I guess the creativity involved in tying together an album and like finalizing artwork and all this stuff, but I haven't really been writing much until recently. Um, yeah. yeah. How, how about for you? Um, kind of, yeah, it's been, I think it's been quite weird. Like I think, um, I, uh, I initially had to kind of reroute a lot of my work cause I was doing a lot of writing and a lot of my, my, uh, income would come from writing about music and, with with everyone just not touring and stuff like that, I lost loads of commissions and I was like, oh. God, yeah. um, but um, I think, you know, like in terms of the creativity, I've just put a lot of work into the podcast, really. So, yeah, there's been a lot of like internal living, really, I guess, which I think we've all had to sort of deal with, really, you know, and, and I think that's been like the one sort of the biggest personal downside is just reducing the amount of um, 
outside contact down quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, especially when you're used to, to doing a lot of that stuff. And I mean, for me, I've been used to traveling a lot and, and, um, I think when you, yeah, when there's nothing to really do, I guess yeah. on the, on a weekend, even in terms of just going and seeing friends in a restaurant or a bar, um, and definitely not going to a live, a live concert. I mean, the, yeah, I was thinking about the prospect of that coming back this year, mm-hmm. next year, um, with, with vaccines and all that. Um, and yeah, it's going to be a strange thing to get our heads around. I think, I mean, obviously I'm really gunning for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really hoping too. that we can get out and, pl- and, and play gigs. Um, but it's, it's going to be strange making that transition back, back into it. It's going to feel quite like shocking, I think. I think so. I mean, I'm kind of wondering, do you think it will be like, I mean, I think there's going to be certain elements that will be a bit like intuitively natural, like, um, like maybe like the first gig I go back to see, I'll be a little bit nervous and a bit sort of like, how's this going to happen? And then when you get there and you see everything's working, it's just like normal senses kind of kick in a bit like riding a bike. I'm, I'm kind of hoping anyway, but I'm wondering if we're all going to be left with certain kinds of ticks that we don't need anymore. Like, whether people are going to still be hand sanitizing even though they don't need to and stuff or maybe that's just a good habit to have i don't know <laughs> i think it's just good i mean i've not got a cold all year i mean you know yeah if, if i did i'd probably be, be terrified so i'm glad i haven't but yeah. but um you know it's uh i think that people should be doing it anyway really i mean the number of people who were probably going into work with the flu and sneezing on people you know it's it's um it's 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 all for the greater good. If we I, yeah, it. yeah. Maybe it's, it's made us all more aware of stuff that we may, what should, maybe should have been doing anyway uh, and stuff. And and what what else are you really excited about for? Say, vaccine comes, we're all okay sometime mid next year. Um, and if you have like a dream list of things that you want to kind of do again, what what would be on there? I just, it's just ball pits. I just want to get going as many ball pits as I can. <laughs> uh, um, I think, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I'm actually, I would describe myself as a more solitary person. Uh, my wife is, is probably a less solitary person and she's really suffering from not being able to go out and do sort of things like go to whatever it is, gigs, bars, restaurants. Um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, this is kind of ideal because i don't have to do anything <laughs> like i don't have to go and see anybody i can just stay in and like t- you know do my music whatever it is um so i'm i'm always happy to to to, to be inside getting on with stuff but i think it's probably just the yeah there's I'm, I'm looking forward to being back at festivals it always feels like a really alien thing now when i think more well, when i think about it um I'm looking forward to be, being able to have people around the house, you know, like just have a big group of friends around the house. I think it just feels that that's the, that's been the the worst thing is just feeling like even outside of these big events, you can't really hang out with a large group of people or like have a party with people and dance. I mean, you can, if people have been doing it, obviously it depends yeah. on your level of, of, of conscience and sort of whether you think it's a, it's going to be a, a danger or not. But yeah, I think it will be great to just, have people over absolutely yeah i think that's what i'm looking forward to the most i think i've every now and then i've seen a film and there's been like a party scene in a film i know and i've just gone even if it's been a lame film and a lame party i've just been i just love to sit on that sofa in that party and like 
pour a glass of wine from that table without thinking what what you know where the wine is or you know no not having proximity issues or anything like that it's just going to be so good i mean i was thinking about yeah people being at parties and and maybe like sharing a you know like a like a joint or something and and actually yeah uh just the concept of that is 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 insane to me now. It's like well, you're touching it, you're yeah. you're actually got your lips on it, and you're breathing into those faces. Like, what the hell are you doing? I know, totally. Someone passes you a rolled up note. It's like, and you put it up your nose, and it's just not <laughs> their nose. It's just, it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> what were we doing? Uh, I mean, I wasn't doing that, of course. But not um, of course, no, yes. of course not. No, no, I'm definitely no, no, not. I mean, we're not and just finally, what what have you? Has there been anything that you've listened to this year, or any artists that have just you feel are taking it up to a next level? It's been an interesting year for that. There's a lot of music being being released. Um, it's been a I, often it's been sadly it's been people who I know or at least vicariously know. Um, but they've made some really good music, like uh, Kelly Leone's record. I love that uh, record, Inner Song. I love that. Yeah, really good. Yeah, um, um, and she made that with a, a friend of mine, James Green, Greenwood, as well. And, and uh, yeah, I was just listening to it, and the song's amazing. The production's great. It's really just sort of emotional and, and be beautiful. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed. I feel like I got on it slightly early, but not that early. The J, J to G um, track, both of us, which I think she's now been nominated for a Grammy. Um, thank you so much for uh, giving me the time today. I really enjoyed chatting. That was great. Yeah, me too. Thank you for wanting to, to talk. It was a pleasure. Yeah. That was Michael Lovett, a.k.a. Nazca Lines. The album Pure Luxury is available in all the usual places. There's a link to it, to the band camp, in the podcast description. I love chatting with Michael and I really want to really thank him for giving me his time. And also thanks to Jody for sorting that interview out. And I think what really disarmed me the most was that I felt we really connected in a sort of sincere way about living in different cities than from where we're from in different countries, him in New York, obviously, and me in Berlin. And I really appreciate the fact that he was so sincere about that. I think it's kind of when people make music that has a sort of arch ironic layer to it or a series of layers, like a kind of stylization and a kind of sort of theme that we can kind of sometimes forget that the people that make this music are not like mega necessarily ironic and layered and distanced and arch all the times themselves and and sometimes like the meanings of of music that appears in a certain way has a much more complex and deeper heart than than it is deliberately showing you and i think that's something i really picked up on on the interview um i I'm also really jealous about the fact that you can go into a deli in New York and they'll make a sandwich for you. And knowing that, it's kind of made me feel a little bit hungry now. So in true fashion, I'm going to go and find something rather lovely to eat in a shop before the shop's shut. Have a lovely one and I'll speak to you soon, Okay. You've been listening to Lost and Sound. Written and produced by me, Paul Hanford. Title music by ESO.
thanks to Kieran Yates in the UK for mastering the levels. This episode is being hosted by Bear Radio, and you can check out other English language podcasts from Berlin by going on bearradio.org. And if you enjoyed listening, please hit subscribe and leave a comment. It really does help. And you can also help the production costs of Making Lost and Sound, if you wish, if you're feeling a little bit plush, by buying me a digital coffee at coffee.com. There's a link in the socials. Take care and speak to you soon.